Hello, collective listeners. On today's episode, we have Christina Chu. Uh, Christina is a private sector dietitian. Uh, she's based out of Chicago. I met her originally through uh, another venture I do, uh, but she is fantastic. I've loved following her on social media. She's great to follow, uh, great nutrition tips. Uh, and I thought she'd be really interesting to bring on. And uh, it's the first private sector dietitian I've spoken to on the podcast. So uh, she had some really good insight, uh, especially for private sector coaches here. Uh, and then also how to work with the private sector dietitian, even if you're a collegiate strength coach, professional strength coach, some of you may not have access to a dietitian. So uh, I thought she did a fantastic job and I hope you all enjoy. What's going on, collective listeners? On today's episode, we have Christina Chu. Uh, first of all, Christina and I met uh, through the Gatorade Performance Partner Program, um, which is uh, something that we do with uh, Gatorade, and it's a, a fantastic opportunity. But uh, I get to see and follow everything that Christina does, and uh, she is an amazing dietitian. Uh, I, I would like to say I, I'm familiar with dietitians and their quality of work, and um, she does a fantastic job, and I love her social media and everything. Um, and and, you know, we, we just conversated and I said, you absolutely have to come on the podcast because I think everybody would love to hear from you and uh, to hear from a private dietitian as well. A private sector dietitian, I think is going to be really valuable for uh, the coaches who listen. So, Christina, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for all the nice compliments. And it, I feel like we're really just embodying like the whole premises of Gatorade Performance Partner of like interdisciplinary work. And that's been at the start since um, like the start of my career. I've always valued that. Um, so I'm super excited to be able to chat with you. Well, I, I'm, I'm really excited as well. And I mean, to me, that's like one of the biggest things, right? Like, uh, you know, my biggest thing actually is I think the dietitian is more important than the strength coach, because what I always say is you have to eat to live. You don't have to lift to live, right? I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm, just, I'm just being honest at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and if you're not properly fueled, you're going to have bad workouts, you know? And so ultimately we have to take care of these things first before we can get with, with get into the session, right? So yeah. um, that's always something that I always feel is really important. So the interdisciplinary aspect is massive to me. And and, you know, my recruiting joke is I love uh, nutrition so much. I got married to it, you, you know, did. with my, my dietitian fiance. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> well, I'm excited to uh, dive into the world of dietetics again. So yeah. uh, just first off, could you kind of just give us a brief background of your career, uh, your history within dietetics, and then uh, what brought you to your uh, current position now? Amazing. Um, yeah, I definitely will. And it's so great to hear that you got the inside scoop of, of dietetics. And I'm sure you know all about the internship process and all that fun jazz. Um, so that's actually really amazing to hear. But my name is Christina Chu. Um, I am sports dietitian and owner of my own private practice, where I work with athletes of all different levels from youth to professional, as well as teams, um, team consulting, and speaking engagements. So kind of all over from the one-on-one -on -one to the one-to-many um, offerings when it comes to sports nutrition. A little bit of background, I got both my bachelor's and my master's degree at Boston University. Um, and fun fact, I actually didn't come in guns a blazing wanting to work with sports. I had the very naive mindset at the time that what could athletes possibly need help with in their nutrition? Um, just again, being the naive 18 year old I was in undergrad, I'm sure all of us were a little naive. And it wasn't until later that I was like, hey, I think athletes is really who I want to work with. Um, I was a personal trainer in undergrad and I thought I wanted to work in corporate wellness and after working with the kind of same archetype of people, I was like, this ain't it for me um, for the long run. And I said, 
I'm a very, um, I guess, extremist person. And I go, what's next? What's the, the next hardest challenge? And athletes it was. So I just kind of took a full dive into that. Um, I did part of my grad school at the Boston University fueling station um, where I got my first look into a strength and conditioning room. And shout out Ben Morris, who I think is now at Bowling Green State. Um, he was my first strength coach I've ever met and was like literally, Connor, the nicest guy. Um, and, you know, like that's kind of a blessing um, and super welcoming. And and I knew nothing about strength coaches. And I was like, tell me everything. I remember to this day, I was like, I will buy you a coffee, which is a lot for a college student. I said, I will buy you a coffee if you'll sit down with me for an hour to tell me the ins and outs of the field, your experience as far um, your experience with dietitians, pros and cons, and basically how do I avoid the cons and only do the pros? Um, so I've always only received positive experiences from strength coaches as far, so I'm super excited to be on here. Um, during my dietetic internship, which I know you know lots about, but for those who don't, it's essentially like a residency program, but for nutrition. We do clinical, food service, inpatient, outpatient, all that fun jazz. I did part of my elective rotation in my dietetic internship at the UFC Performance Institute, where I just honestly really fell in love with combat and weight class athletes and understanding all the challenges that they deal with um, in the weight making process, as well as being an athlete. I thought about it like two sports in one. And so nothing like a BOGO deal. And it was an area that honestly, not a lot of dietitians were leaning into, but I had some really great mentors there who I still keep up to date with now. And I was like, this is a group that I need to work with. Um, they're so underserved and nutrition is really so needed. And there's a lot of um, uh, misinformation spread around in that sport. So I was like, this is where I need to insert myself. So I work with a lot of weight class athletes in my private practice, as well as teams. Um, and yeah, it's just been so great so far. No, that's fantastic. And, and I, I love that you are willing to dive into the realm of combat sports, right? I mean, that's one of the uh, scariest, I would say, uh, sports I, I could imagine for a dietitian to work with. Uh, because I mean, obviously, weight cutting is it's inevitable. It's a piece of the sport. It has to happen. Um, and that kind of leads into your work with Norwich Wrestling a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you know, Scott Caulfield. Yep, do. I do know yeah, Scott. Yep, Scott yep. Yeah. I think everybody listening to this podcast knows Scott. <laughs> Scott and Alfie, of course. <laughs> the Obviously Alfie. Yes. Um, but yeah, Scott made that introduction for me and, um, it was really, really great to be able to work with the Norwich team, the wrestling team. Um, and again, they have, they have, a interesting challenge in that they're a military style school. So a lot of their wrestlers um, are also, you know, have signed with the army or the Navy or, or what have you. Um, so there is the wrestling component, but also now the tactical component too. And we just kind of smush the two together. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Those guys are honestly, I keep saying this, but they're like the nicest people. Um, and I think a big misconception about, um, wrestling and, and combat sports in general is that they're really like mean because you know unassuming if you just watch the sport you're like wow this is kind of violent but they're like the nicest and like the funniest and most genuine people and they're like the group that I can make like a really raunchy joke and like they would laugh or like a really stupid joke and they would laugh versus like some athletes they're like 
I don't get it. Like, <laughs> you weren't an internet kid, okay? Like you have to understand these reference these Vine references. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me, I, I experienced the same thing on my end. Uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll hit a joke and it's just dead silent, and I just yeah, you kind of just quick little yeah. clap and we'll move on. So, <laughs> well, how do you <laughs> exactly? Uh, it's a it's a little joke for our editor Stephanie there. Uh, but uh, shout out Stephanie. shout out Stephanie. How do you uh, handle the weight cutting process though with these athletes? Because I myself was a wrestler. Uh, you know, there's a lot of bad information out there, a lot, uh, and, it, yeah. and it comes from the coaches too, which which are people who you really kind of trust every single thing that they say. Hmm. Um, one of my good friends, I hope I can call him a friend, <laughs> um, Alex Friedman. He is over in Denver, Colorado, um, has Building a Fighter, which is basically a strength conditioning and healthcare platform for fighters. He was doing his, I think his master's thesis on the, oh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's basically like the sociological effect of wrestling in wrestling. And it says that coaches have like the most amount of weight, no pun intended, in their athlete behavior. And then it's like, Everybody else just sinks to the bottom. Doctors, parents, healthcare, teammates, everything is not as important as whatever the coach says. The coach has a lot of value in the words and especially in wrestling. And so um, how I handle it, uh, really, I, I try to approach it from the um, logic and the science side. So I'm at a disadvantage in that I was not a wrestler. I don't look like a wrestler. Uh, I don't have a cauliflower ear. And um, I can't speak to them on that level of experience. But what I do have is all of the hours in metabolism, in human physiology and nutrition, and also my past experience in working with my wrestlers and my fighters. Um, So I use that and I try to break it down as simple as possible as to this is what's going to happen in your body. It doesn't make sense for you to either starve yourself or, or go from an extreme weight cut because of these reasons. And this is the best way to go about it. And here's how you do it in your dining hall or at home or your parents or what have you. Um, So I try to break it down so simple. It's so simple that it's hard, right? Breaking it down so logically that like there is no other option but the one that I recommend, I hope. (laughs) Um, Usually, yeah, the coaches that I work with, obviously they um, come to me. So they want to have my expertise. Um, but sometimes when I work with the athletes themselves, there is a lot of, um, conflicting messages with what they hear from their coaches, their teammates, et cetera. So it's a lot of managing that too. I'm I'm sure. I mean, that seems like it's going to be one of the biggest pieces of it. And I think anybody listening to this podcast definitely identifies with the statement that you said where the coach is really kind of the end all be all, you know, I mean, uh, there's a million things and I'm really fortunate that I work for great coaches who both let me do my thing, right? There's no, uh, they care about the results. They don't care about the process because they understand that the process is typically going to come from what I'm looking for. Uh, But then the issue arises uh, when I've worked with coaches, you know, in the past or other stories I hear from other strength coaches where the coach wants involvement in the process as well too. Uh, and ultimately like there's not really much you can say, you know, like it's, if the coach really doesn't want to see something, it's kind of, you kind of get your hands tied a little bit and you have to say, okay, well maybe we just have to find a way around getting that in our program. So, uh, I I mean, wrestling itself is very, very coach oriented. I mean, I remember whatever our coach said, it was, I lived and died by it. I mean, literally, and and I cut by it and it it hurt my body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's the, you know, how does that impact the athlete in the long run? 
your career might have been cut short and that is not a coincidence, right? That could be prevented. Um, And then the long-term effects on your body and your metabolism, especially at such a young age. Um, And just seeing the aftermath of that as you grow into an adult. Um, Wrestlers typically aren't the healthiest people as a demographic, let's be honest. So that can certainly have its trickle-down effect too when we think about long-term health. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I guess that kind of leads me into another question I have about that relationship aspect with your clients. I mean, I feel like as a strength coach, I have a really good benefit from a standpoint of I can see our athletes every single day. I can physically touch them every day. I'll give them a high five and say, you know, hey, great job. I'll wrestle with them a little bit just to get them excited for the weight room. Like, uh, what, what are some of the challenges that you face as a private sector dietitian and doing a lot of your business online? You know, how do you approach that uh, not being able to see them necessarily every day aspect and not necessarily being able to be there physically uh, present. Yeah, I like to use that to my advantage, right? So um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes when you see the same people over and over again, you get a little burnt out of them. (laughs) It lacks the like um, newness and excitement of meeting with someone. Um, And of course we meet and we meet for the most part virtually. So like you only really see like the headshot here, right? <laughs> when I met with the Norwich guys, I was like, look, I have legs like this. You get to see the rest of me. It's, it's awesome. Um, look, I have like a, the backside to my head. Like I'm 3d. It's amazing. Um, but I have gotten a lot of feedback from athletes who do have dietitians on campus that they work with that they don't really build a relationship with them almost because they like see them every day. And it's like this weird thing of, hey, you have a free resource for you on campus exactly where you are that you could use. And you're choosing to work with someone who you have to pay for um, and you don't get to see every day. And it's almost like, yes, because they want to meet with someone who um, they don't get to meet with as often. And it's like less um, like you get less burnt out uh, uh, from it. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's like a scarcity effect. Right. Um, And so I've been kind of using that in my favor, obviously not taking advantage of the athlete of taking all business whenever I can, but letting them know, Hey, just so you know, you get a free resource here at school. Like your school has a dietitian. Did you meet with them? Like, what is that dynamic like? Um, but most of the time they'll just be like, I, you know, didn't get what I needed from them. Like I just need to outsource somewhere else. And that's where I come in. And ultimately we're here to serve our athletes and how do we best help them with their nutrition? I love that. I mean, that's turning what I view as a weakness, right? Into a strength for yourself, right? And there's definitely days where athletes come in and they are sick of me. Like they come in and I'm just so like, sick. I'm like, Hey yeah. Josh, how are you? And he's like, hey, coach. <laughs> you know, we kind of just avoid eye contact a little bit. So I, <laughs> I understand that completely. And, and how does that relationship work necessarily? Do you ever work with a, uh, you know, a collegiate dietitian hand in hand when you're working with those clients, or is it mostly just kind of outsourced that it's more one-on-one with the athlete? I personally haven't worked with a collegiate dietitian one-on-one. Um, usually they'll try and keep everything in house as who wouldn't. Um, but if there is an athlete who I've worked with, maybe they're a college athlete and they're home for the summer and they meet with me. Um, I'll usually just reach out and say like, Hey, you know, so-and-so, you know, we're meeting, great kid or whatever, um, just to kind of build that connection. But uh, there isn't honestly a lot of communication with that. Uh, A lot of the college athletes that I work with also don't have dietitians on campus. So 
there's not really anyone there for me to talk to. That to me is just so crazy. I just don't understand that aspect really. Like, I mean, you know, we, I think there's not enough strength coaches, first of all, but then to not actually have any dietitian on campus in general is just nuts. I mean, like, and that's one of yeah. our recruiting points is in the Sunbelt, we're like one of three or four schools that have a full-time dietitian. Uh, and then we're one of like the only ones who have a dietitian dedicated solely to Olympic sports, you know, whereas other schools it's football and the rest of the sports. And then that really becomes football. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough mm-hmm. for that dietitian to balance a team of 120 and then have to work with the rest of the Olympic sports. So I, I, I don't really understand that, but uh, I mean, hopefully that will change. Hopefully that will progresses the field gets a little bit more recognition yeah and and i definitely feel for you in in the sense of let's say it's a smaller school right and there's like one strength coach well that strength coach has to wear many hats and be the dietitian and order the food and be the one there for supplement reviews and nutrition questions and you're you're kind of stuck and sometimes it, it ultimately is a budget thing for the school and as, as much as we would love to have dietitians on every single campus it's, you know, from a a money standpoint, that can be quite challenging. So um, I definitely feel for the the strength coaches who are kind of on their own and and the jack of all trades, but your athletes, you know, who else, right? Your athletes need you. There's no alternative. Um, But yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting dynamic in college sports. Yeah. I would say my argument, you know, would be that we need to make the money in the budget. Right. And I mean, and if you look True. at the benefits of, uh, actually working True. with a dietitian, now, I mean, the school pays for MRIs, the school pays for x-rays, surgeries, healthcare, all these things that in my mind can be prevented. Obviously, you know, you can't make that a hundred percent guarantee, but ultimately it, it seems more like a money saver to me. Like the same aspect of, uh, like you spoke, spoke about being a, a personal trainer for, uh, a corporate, uh, uh, setting, you know, they hire these people because it actually saves them more money in insurance payouts in the long run. So, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it, I think it only makes sense to me, but, uh, you know, I, I understand it's not, we don't live in a perfect world where, you know, we can all just say, yeah, just find the money and it works out great. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it, it's, there's layers to that conversation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> we might need, uh, you know, a three-parter podcast to be able to understand that one. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, we spoke about a little bit of the challenges. What are some of the things you really enjoy about being a private sector dietitian? I feel like there is also a lot of alignment with the uh, strength coach industry and kind of this push towards private sector. That's kind of what I've been noticing in my network. Um, Same thing with dietitians. So I feel like there could be some overlap, but I think the biggest one is honestly making your own schedule, Uh, you know, being able to control your own hours. I told you offline that I'm heading to Hawaii tomorrow and It'll be Thursday, Friday, and I don't have to take PTO, which is kind of nice. Um, I've never really had to take PTO before, and it's if I ever did, I would just feel kind of weird about it. I'd be like, why do I have to ask you when I need to leave? Like, I, I need to go. Like, I, I have this vacation. Um, and I think that that is certainly a huge plus. Also, just building connections with my athletes directly. Um the athletes don't come to me because they're forced to, or like, you know, I am just the person on campus and they're stuck with me. There was a reason either through a referral or finding me directly. And so like, I take a lot of pride in that and I take a lot of ownership in that too. Like that is, that's my connection that that I got to make with this athlete and someone might've referred me, but there was really no one else involved in this process. So I really cherish that. Um, I think we think a lot about how we impact our athletes, but our athletes also impact us too. Um, so I've got a really, really great 
experience thus far. Um, and I hope to continue that with a high quality level of athletes that I have. Um, I'm sure in a group setting you can, or a team setting, you can imagine there are a couple of the stragglers, right. Who don't really want to listen to you or what have you. I am very thankful that I have a lot of high quality clientele where it is coming out of their own pocket. So there's that motivation too, but this is something that they sought out to do. Um, I'm not forcing you to do these sessions with me, right? So um, it the that helps with a lot of the work-life balance and the burnout because you do get to make these genuine connections. And that's ultimately why I got into this field was not the prestige of nutrition, if that's a thing, or the pay or anything like that. It really is to build connections, help people, um, and just ultimately serve people in the end. You know, and, and that's funny that you say that because it, it draws my comparison to for strength coaches from division one to division three level or division two. Um, if you speak with a lot of strength coaches, they talk about the fact that uh, their favorite jobs have been at the division three level, right? It's where yeah. uh, the athletes aren't getting paid to be there. They're not on scholarship. And a lot of times it's really just, they just love the sport that much. And that's where they want to be there. Like uh, I spoke with uh, somebody who's the director at uh, Whitewater, Wisconsin before, which is a really high level division three program and he was like that was my favorite job i've ever had because those guys just loved football they loved coming in the train and, and every day was just a fantastic day uh you know so yeah. exactly like you say your clients seek you out they're paying for the services so they're probably going to be a little bit more motivated to work with you and, and a little bit more motivated to uh stick with it in the long run i'm sure and it ultimately helps them in the end right like if you are getting a free service but you're not using it What's the point? No, hundred no, percent. And that's, you know, that's what we, I kind of try to emphasize with our athletes as well too. And our head coach does a big piece of that. And he just talks about, you know, like if you're going to get an MRI, you know, right. Like that's going to be usually about like a thousand dollars for you, even after mm -hmm. insurance, uh, to work with a dietitian, you know, is going to be very expensive outside of here. When you have the free resource here on campus, I tell them my prices for private coaching, you know, like it is not, it's not cheap whatsoever. Uh, and it's because we've, you know, first of all, we charge what we're worth, right? And uh, we, we've built up that experience level. But then uh, on top of that, like, how could you not use these free resources that we have on campus? Why would you not take advantage of it every moment? Um, and then, you know, my goal and what I always tell people too, is I want you to leave here and have the tools to not need these after you leave, uh, you know, but mm -hmm. I mean, but obviously in certain situations, that may not be the case for the athletes. Right. And athletes are always, I think that athletes tend to be leaders outside of their sport too. And um, whether that be, let's say, in their job, right, in their career. And the big theme that I hear a lot is after college, being a college athlete, no one is there to tell you that you need to be up at 6 a.m. No one is programming your workout. No one is telling you when to eat or literally at this point handing you what mm. to eat. No one is doing your, you know, PT exercise or telling you when to go to PT. Then you have to pay for it. Then you have to make your own dentist appointments, right? And, and it's just like this whole level of responsibility. And I think that that's really important to teach for this like college age group. Whenever I work with them, I'm, I'm not telling. And honestly, for most of my athletes, I'm not telling them exactly what they need to do because that doesn't help them as a human. Athletes are really great at taking direction. But when we think about it in the long run, in your nutrition, like you said, it's it's the other like 20 plus hours of the day. And there's no guarantee that those 20 plus hours will be the exact same in a controlled environment. So nutrition is all about being adaptable, right? You go to the grocery store, they're out of chicken. What else do you buy? You know, you're at uh, Chipotle and they are out of 
burritos, what's the alternative? Um, And so I always like to empower my athletes to develop those skills versus just being told what to do. And quite frankly, if my job as a dietitian was just to tell my athletes what to do, my job is going to be fizzled out in like 10 years, given this rise of artificial intelligence and how any athlete can just plug it in and say, what do I need to eat? And some algorithm out there will tell them in a kind of concise way. Um, If that's my only job, then I'm screwed. But I know that it's not. Um, And I think that uh, I definitely, in my practice and my philosophy, try to teach skills and and make them a little uncomfortable, but ultimately grow and and help them with their nutrition foundations. I think that's it's really interesting that you bring up the AI piece, right? Because I, I remember seeing on TikTok like over and over like, oh, you can make this exact meal plan based off of chat GPT, right? Uh, you, can. you can. But like ultimately, it's not going to give you the tools to be able to uh, understand how to handle situations where things aren't going to be available or the baseline education level. It's the same with, I mean, training conditioning, like the workouts, you're not going to, you know, yes, it can give you a workout, but at the same time, is it actually the optimal workout for you? Because a lot of stuff is going to be personalized for each athlete. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, it's so funny because my fiance will come home and she'll be like, yeah, somebody asked for a meal plan again, you know, and it's just like this strict meal plan. And, uh, you know, unless we're in sports that involve serious weight cuts, like bodybuilding, like wrestling, you know, where, um, you do have to be really, really cognizant of everything that you're eating or even like sodium levels within, uh, you know, specific foods, like then the meal plan is not going to be realistic, right? Because let's say, uh, Mm -hmm. coach changes practice to, uh, you know, 6 PM today instead. And now all of a sudden your dinner you were going to cook is, uh, ruined, you know, so what are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to adjust to that? So I, I think that's a really important right. piece. Yeah. And it's, it's the same in like strength can condi- like you can't be rigid, right? Like, isn't part of building strength also being like adaptable to, you know, you're not just running forward in every single sport. Like you have to be able to handle, um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is, but like change and like scenarios you didn't expect it's the same thing with your nutrition. And I think, Oh my gosh. I know artificial intelligence is such a huge debate and topic, but I mean, let's stay ahead of our time, right? Use it for our good. If someone asks for a meal plan, you can just type that in as well and build it out and then make your adjustments because you use your clinical judgment or your like skills to be like, okay, this doesn't make sense for this athlete. What I've also noticed because I, I try to say like up to date is if you ask it for a meal plan, it'll give you something super generic, but like technically correct. It'll give you like the three by eight yeah. of nutrition. Yeah. And like, you're like, this isn't wrong, but it's all, it's kind of vanilla and they kind of have to give like a very plain, but correct answer. Otherwise there can be some liability issues. So I feel like as a, as a coach, as a diet, as a person, quite frankly, you pull in from your experiences, you pull in from the education that you have to then, um, adjust it to that athlete in particular, or just like look at it as a human and be like, this doesn't make sense for this person, but it's a good backbone that I can edit. Yeah. And, and you know, like exactly like you said, like there has to be a fluidity to it. You know, like I, I know that, uh, and I watch practice, right. If our coaches, uh, having us repeat a drill over and over and over again, 
just to kind of prove a point and say, you know, like, hey, we need to work on this. And then all of a sudden our practice went for 30 minutes longer than we thought it would for the day. Uh, I should probably adjust our workouts just a little bit, you know, and it's a very similar situation that you're approaching. But I agree with you, too. I love using AI. I, I use it for uh, like anything that I know I want to write, but I just don't know how I want to word it. So like internship contracts, uh, you know, like flyers, and different things like it's fantastic to use it for those and then make my edits on top of it. Uh, right. And you don't need creative brain power for no. that. That's <laughs> yeah. just effort and time. So for that to be displaced using a good, a, you know, some, you know, starting good resource. And then now you have extra time to, um, you know, connect with your athletes or program or what, like that is ultimately, I would say, in that positive. A hundred percent. I mean, that connection piece is so big to me. That's why it was like the first thing mm -hmm. I asked you about, you know, and so to hear that yeah. you're able to navigate it uh, and so well on the private sector side, I mean, that's, that's fantastic to hear. And I'll, I'll actually tell you a quick story. So I had one of my athletes, um, a football athlete who was home after a senior year and, um, you know, went to a D1 school and I, I asked, do you have a dietitian? What was your relationship? He was very, he was very honest. He was like, honestly, the dietitian never, um, like showed up to practice, never went to our, um, you know, our lifts and like, just didn't make that connection. He goes, I felt a lot closer to my strength coach. Mm. He was like, my strength coach and I had great conversation. It felt like he really understood me, you know, all the, all the lovely things that you want to hear. And I was like, damn, like that sucks. Like, I'm so sorry that that happened. Like you should have someone there to support you from a nutrition side. So throughout our conversation, it, we did talk about nutrition. Don't get me wrong, but we talked about other things too. Like I noticed his wallpaper was some like anime um drawing and i was like oh that's cool and like the only anime i know is like naruto so i was like oh is that naruto even though i definitely know that it's not <laughs> and then like we just like ended up having that conversation right and and that just flows and i think that there was just a lot more buy-in there from a relatability standpoint it had nothing to do with my background education experience years working blah 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 it was simply the fact that i was like he didn't get the connection he needed from someone nutrition related in college. And so, yeah, if we're going to dick around and talk about Naruto, then fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but building that connection, I feel like is so huge these days. And again, is the separation of a good practitioner versus someone who could be replaceable. Well, he told you outright what is, what's important to him, you know, is developing yeah. that relationship. And then you immediately took it and ran with it. Uh, yeah, let's there go. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, one question I have that I'm just a little bit curious about from the, you know, the technology uh, availability, I would say today of, of everybody, right? Like if somebody texts me at 10 o'clock, I see it. They know I see it, right? And I, I answer it uh, most of the time. Uh, and so, you know, with private sector clients, how do you kind of approach those boundaries? And how do you, how do you make sure that there's not uh, crossing a line, so, so to speak, with those boundaries? That was the first piece of advice that I got when I was like, I'm opening up my practice was set your boundaries because most dietitians are the type to work, not to rest. And you, that's the issue is that you can work yourself into the ground and get really burnt out. So burnout was huge. This was also during COVID. So I feel like everyone was talking about burnout, but I was like, okay, these are the boundaries that I need to set. So wait, I can serve my athletes and focus on quality service, not quantity. And also do this for a long time because this is my career. This is what I wanted to do since I was a junior in high school. And like, there's no way in hell that I'm going to quit after two years. So I need to set these boundaries now. 
And what has been helpful for me is in my um, my EMR or my electronic medical record system, where everyone does their scheduling, um, there are days that I don't have available. So for example, I will um, really only have see clients Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, if someone really needs to see me on a Monday or Friday, I'll do it. Like, But I don't want to um, those days I really try to devote to like administrative work and and just catching up and all that stuff. Weekends for me were always a no-go. Um, in college, I worked on weekends and I made a promise to myself I would not do early mornings and I would not do weekends. I've done it. I did my work. It's over. Um, I need time for myself. And um, that has been in- instrumentally helpful. And then for me, I keep everything on that EMR system. So I don't give people my my phone numbers or I rarely do. Um, I set, you know, on my phone, the do not disturb, like it's it's on a set schedule. And I really do that one for privacy reasons and also just boundaries, right? And um, I felt this way, honestly, as a customer, customer myself, but if I feel like I have their personal number and I can text them at any time, for some reason in my head, this sounds so bad, but I'm like, I feel like I can just text them whenever and like they will answer me. And if they don't answer me, then like, what the heck are they doing? Versus with the practitioners that I work with and they're like, I don't work on Fridays. I'm like, okay, cool. Like it doesn't make a difference for me, but I'm like, wow, that's actually really awesome that they're not stretching themselves too thin. And I almost like respect that more. I'm like, okay, I know for a fact that Joe Smith is not working on Friday. I'm just going to shoot them a message on Monday. And literally everything works fine. The world does not burn, you know, <laughs> no one's, no one's dead. Like everything is fine. And, and I think that that really helps me um, sort of create those boundaries, but then again, ultimately help serve my athletes better, um, especially in such a person facing role. Uh, you can get a little burnt out right from all of those interactions, positive and negative. So in order for me to fill my own cup, like, I need to set those boundaries. And that has been so helpful and and certainly hard to learn um, at first, but that has been instrumentally uh, helpful in my career. I, I think it's hard for everybody to learn, right? And I still struggle with it myself sometimes. Like, you know, it's tough when somebody, you know, an athlete, I mean, they are, they're 18 to 21 years old. They're still figuring out how to actually communicate. And all of a sudden I get a text at 1030 and it's like, oh, coach, I forgot I have, uh, you know, uh, academic meeting at the same time we have lift tomorrow. And like the only time we can figure it out is we got to come in at like 7 a.m., you know, and so we have to answer it within that moment, you know. Uh, and then that's something where I'll try to just speak with the athlete one-on-one afterwards and say, hey, that can't happen again. You know, like we need to make sure we're on exactly. top of those things. But, but I mean, they do pop up, you know, you really don't have any choice. Uh, but it, it kind of like, to be honest, it gives me anxiety a little bit, you know, where like, I'm yeah. like, you know, at the end of the night, like it's no matter what, like I kind of like can't really be too far from my phone just in case head coach calls and wants to know about something or and it, some, something changes in the schedule and I need to know immediately. Um, so I, I'm sure that kind of helps on your end, setting those boundaries, alleviate the anxiety piece just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it is helpful that I am in private practice. So like I, I am my own boss yeah. as tacky as that sounds. So like I set the standards, right. It's not like your, um, you know, head boss is saying, Hey, like we really kind of need you on. Um, so for me, it was always that boundary and, and there besides for TPN, which is basically IV nutrition. So nutrition going straight into your blood, there really aren't a lot of nutrition emergencies. Yeah. Like, everything will survive. Everything can wait until tomorrow morning at 8am. It's, it's, 
And as, as much as an athlete might feel that anxiety to be quite transparent in order for you to, again, set those boundaries and do what's best for yourself and the, the majority of your clients, like that needs to be set. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just a standard that I've set since the beginning because I've been told by so many people that it's like, if you leave that door open, they will communicate. Oh, yeah. But is it quality, right? Is, is it something that really does need to be addressed at that moment? Um I think from that aspect of, right, that athletes like, ah, oh, crap, like I am unavailable, like I have a conflict. I think it's great that they even reached out to you to begin with. And like, I think that that's really, um, you know, they're learning, they're young. So it's, it's um, that communication skill needs to be developed. But I think that you can also teach them that too. If they are, you know, going off into the workforce and working, let's say a corporate job, they don't show up to their meetings. Like that's a really bad sign. If you show up late to an interview, you're probably not going to get that job. So these are all life, life skills that can be taught in slash out of the weight room, adjacent to the weight room before you hit the weight room. Um, but all part of that like development um, period for these college athletes. So I think it's a really great thing. I also love punctuality. So like I am obsessed with it, but um, I think that it's good to teach these skills to like college athletes. Oh, trust me. Punctuality is a big skill that they all, they all initially learned. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they, I feel like that's the, uh, the number one thing that I always look after. Right. And it's so funny you mentioned that because I've had interns come in an interview before and they've been five minutes late and you know, it's like, it just, I mean, it just it just shows me like well it wasn't really that i mean like the interview's got to be like the most important thing to you right to get the position mm-hmm. if you're gonna be late to that then what's it gonna be like if we are you know down the line i say hey we need to come in for this workout you know so uh, i agree the punctuality piece is very very big on my end as well and you communicated you we were supposed to start recording the, uh recording the podcast at 11 you said hey i have a meeting i might be there just a couple minutes late and i think it was 1101 when you hopped on so uh yes. <laughs> no it was fantastic <laughs> Which, like you said you developed the communication piece as well uh, and it, it's not whether or not you run late, like life happens. We all, we've all ran late for things, but it's, Hey, calling, you know, 10 minutes advance. Hey, I'm running a little bit late. Like more communication is almost always better. Uh, and I think that these are skills that can be practiced even like in a weight room setting. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, I think, uh, they can be reinforced as well too. Uh, you know, we, mm-hmm. uh, we our, our rule is 10 cows on the assault bike for every minute that you're late, you know? <laughs> and so, I mean, Hey, you know, it's, it just, I'm going to do 10 gallons. Well, you know, one thing I'm curious about as well is, you know, obviously we met each other through the uh, performance partner captain program, but then I get to, get to keep seeing your posting on social media. And I know that you have a new uh, Patreon that you've been doing as well too, uh, where you kind of, it's, uh, I believe it's a more educational base, but in a fun way, uh, you try to make sure that everybody yeah. can learn about uh, dietetics and, and uh, nutrition. So can you kind of uh, speak to me about that a little bit? Yeah. So the Patreon that I created, um, it is in the link in my bio, or you can just search Patreon and Christina Chu Studios is essentially a um, me kind of filling a, a need that I saw in that one, a lot of people want to be involved with a dietitian in some way, shape or form, but not, the one-on-one counseling might not be the most efficient just because it is the most costly. Um and two, there people are not getting information in through like reading textbooks anymore, yep. um, 
or reading a uh, encyclopedia or, you know, people are getting information through things like this, like listening to a podcast, listening to audio books. Um, and I've recognized that your people are like, oh, I'm going for a walk and like listening to my podcast or I am driving in the morning and listening to this audio book. It's like just the way that we're consuming information now. So on this Patreon, I release weekly episodes, basically talking about nutrition, answering questions, having guests, um, and diving into some of the real life practices, but also just the things that you don't want to say to the public, right? And I think that there's a lot of genuine conversations that happen around sports, performance, nutrition, et cetera, that can kind of get muted because we just have to be careful with what we say um, for for a good reason, right? Anything can be misconstrued, but I've gotten to the point where I'm asking people, I'm like, can you just tell me straight up, what do I need to do? Like, what is a, what is a T? What is the TLDR on this, right? Should my athlete use a BOSU ball or should they not? Um, you know, like you just, you just want to know. And so I just needed to create a space for that in the educational component, but also from a cost perspective, having a more approachable, um, offering to give to my athletes who, you know, one-on-one just doesn't really make the most sense. Um, so it's a way for you to just passively listen to this information, um, and hopefully in a not so textbook way in the sense that it's like, boring (laughs) for lack of better words. And, you know, I try to have some fun on there um, and make as many internet jokes as I can uh, just because that's my personality. That's who I am. Um, And it's just a space to do that. Uh, There also is multiple tiers. So the the lowest tier is just the episodes, which I think is great in and of itself. Um, And then the next tier includes the ability to ask questions and you'll get a buy monthly. So every other month, um, like PDF drop, of again, that concise information. So the last one was a protein bar list because everyone always asks, I'm on the road, what protein bar should I buy? It depends on the situation, but like, here you go. Here's the answer. What do I buy when I'm at the gas station? Here you go. What do I buy when I'm at Costco? Here you go. Like all of the questions that you want answered in a concise manner, that's hard, but I try to do that in these drops. And then the final tier um, includes office hours. So we'll be able to chat, um, which I think is is a great ability to just get access to a dietitian, but again, not in that one-on-one setting. And all of these are for um, lower than the cost of like the average investment with a dietitian. So in the end, like what we were saying about cost-effective solutions, this has got to be like the most cost-effective Um, and I just sort of bit the bullet and I said, let's do it. Let's try it. Where, where do my athletes need help? How do I meet them and take this knowledge I have and use it? Um, so I love it. Again, you can just search on Patreon, Christina Chu Studios, or it's in the link in my bio. Well, there's a couple things I really love about that. I mean, the first is again, like in, in both of our worlds, the answer is always, it depends. You know, like it, it, it always is. And I totally understand that. But at the same time, like there are answers to the questions as well, though. You know, and so uh, even as a practitioner, I'll kind of ask, you know, well, would you do this or or when do we implement this specific type of training? And everybody's always like, well, it depends. You know, I kind of like it here, maybe here. You know, then you end up getting like a, a really kind of roundabout answer that totally doesn't uh, help me, right? Or help the athletes that we're working with. So I love the uh, concise aspect of it. And just the, here's an answer. It, you know, this is, this is what I can best provide for you. 
Yeah. And it's not the only yes, answer, yep. right? But hopefully it's a start to get you thinking. And then you're like, oh, there was chicken on there, but I could also buy steak. Like, that's fine. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that's how we learn is, is, of course, it depends. It depends for literally everything. But maybe here are like three options. And then now you make the best decision for yourself. Because I don't I don't know the person directly that I'm speaking to. Um, that's I do in the one on ones, but it's just different here. So it's just honestly helpful for me too as a clinician to sharpen those communication skills. Um, but like, here you go. Yeah. Do what you want with it. No, it's fantastic. And then the second thing I really uh, like about this Patreon is the fact that you are charging for the service, right? I think that's like kind of a stigma for uh, professionals is to say like, well, I want to give everything for free, right? Or, uh, you know, like, is it like I've heard other coaches say like, well, it's a little like uh, pretentious, like somewhat to even say to charge for services. And I'm like, that's not the, like the whole point is that you've spent all this time, you spent all this money to go to school, to educate yourself, right? And it, this is a service that you should be paid for. And if we talk about the burnout aspect of things too, like if you're not getting paid for this, you're just doing a ton of work that ultimately isn't really going to benefit you in the long run. So I, I really appreciate that you uh, charge for the service because I think it, it speaks to your worth. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, if someone gets a free service, you tend to take less advantage of it and you tend to use yep. it less. And then now you're not seeing the results. And then now you're wondering why that free service isn't good. And it it's almost backwards. And I think from such a service and a giving personality, which a lot of coaches tend to have, right? You're not there for you. You're there for your athletes. We can put ourselves in that little rut. And you're right. It does, doesn't really help with that burnout. Um, and when it comes to free versus paid information, let's call it, we get free free information through social media. Of course, there's ads and what have you, but that's where all that free stuff is. So if you need, if you have zero dollars in your bank account, you can log on to Instagram and then scroll through all the content on there that I have, and that's a way that I also again help serve people. But this is a good like middle ground for. You know, so again, sometimes you just have to be really careful with what you say or what you post and et cetera online. It's still all accurate information, but there is some more like filtration that does need to happen. Um, you're, yep. you're speaking to a greater volume of people. You have a lot of different backgrounds and, and you know, uh, I guess characteristics to consider. But when it comes to Patreon, it's, it's a community, right? So it is a um, group of like-minded people who just want to understand nutrition, want to understand the logic, but also like, also understand that like dairy is not the worst thing in the world for you. Or like, why do we have influencers who are taking their shirt off at the grocery store? <laughs> like other people who just get it, you know, and, and I'm not yeah. speaking to the, to the wellness girlies who are like obsessed with their green juice shots in the morning and think that that cures all like that's not my target population it's for athletes it's for people who provide for athletes i have a lot of athletic trainers and like i'm here for it um yeah. who just want to be able to deliver good information for their athletes um so it really is a patreon for all who um all of those who just get it, okay? For those who <laughs> um, want to understand good quality evidence-based nutrition, but also like, again, just don't want to be so burnt out from listening to a textbook all day. Um, and I I would love to see more people head down this avenue. Like I wish I, like there are people who I wish I could pay five bucks a month for to just like understand what goes on in their brain and learn from them. Um, so yeah. I- I hope that more people would take advantage of this um, because again, free resources are there. Like that's what social media is for. Um, but the catch is again, it could be um, 
more filtered information. You kind of have to go through their their ads as well. That's how they make money off of it. And this is yes, as the as the reader or the listener, you have to contribute a little bit. But um, even five bucks a month, and there's a seven day free trial to see if it's your vibe or not. Um, even with five bucks a month, there are people that I contribute five bucks a month for, and I really enjoy my time, my time with them. I, I enjoy listening to them. Um, and I, I get a lot of value out of it too. So, um, it really isn't something that's meant to be exclusionary. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, it's really meant for people who want to understand nutrition, who get it is the only way I can think about it. Um, understand, I guess, my sense of humor, like the realness of it. You know, we all don't need to be super clinical and like textbooky, but also we're not just like spewing random statements out of nowhere. Um, there is a good like combination of not being textbook, but also not being completely off the rails. <laughs> nope. And I think that's, I think that's the information that's going to relate most to the people that uh, want to hear that information. Right. I mean, they're, they're going to synthesize it more. And I mean, certainly I'm the one who I'll listen more if there's a couple of jokes sprinkled in for sure. Oh, I mean, have you ever attended a college lecture where the, the professor is just droning on and on? It's like not brutal. You, you don't learn anything. Yeah. Yep. And then we, I had Dr. Mike Isratel, who well, some of the listeners here may know, uh, but he does Renaissance periodization, and he would make a joke every class, and that was the number one I never skipped. So yeah, there you go. Oh, that's <laughs> actually there. really cool. What an amazing yeah, it was awesome. to learn from. Oh, it was really cool. He was well. I could do a whole podcast on that one too oh. myself. So <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I, I thought it was just uh, fantastic to listen from you and also get to know you a little bit better. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And so for your social medias, where is a good place that people can find you uh, on whatever socials you're on? Yep. So you can um, come find me on Instagram at Christina Y. Chu. Christina spelled with a C-H like Aguilera does. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or you can find me again on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Christina Chu Studios. Or again, it's in the link in my bio on my Instagram. I try to make it super easy. Um, And there is a seven day free trial for that. So if you just want to just get a little bit of an insight and maybe even listen to just episodes back to back to back. I guess you really, really could. Um, But yeah, those are the two places to find me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Christina. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Have a good one. You too.